0: move on from our Corinthian study and I didn't really know what the Lord would have me to share and uh, I'm glad that he led me in my devotions uh, to some things in the book of First Peter that really grabbed my heart and I felt like, well, you know, I've never taught through that book before. So um, I think that um, that is a good book to talk about and I wanna introduce you a little bit to that book and how it applies to our life. And I hope that as we go through this study together, it'll be meaningful for you. You have notes in your, in your bulletin and I, there's a, you'll see there's a lot of blanks and that's on purpose. I don't normally give you that many blanks, but I'm gonna have them up on the screen so it's easy for you to follow. I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to open up your Bibles because the scriptures won't be on the screen this morning. I was traveling, didn't have an opportunity to do that. So um, it's good for you to follow along in your Bible. Now, most of you know that Paul was called the apostle to what? The Gentiles, thank you. And Peter was called the apostle to the Jews. Now, this book was a book written by the apostle Peter. And it starts out in verse 1 where Peter says, Paul, Peter, I'm so used to saying Paul. Most of the epistles are by Paul. Peter, an emissary of Messiah Yeshua. Now, I'm reading from the Tree of Life version. So Paul, an emissary of Messiah Yeshua, to the sojourners of the Diaspora in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen. Now, who were those people? Well, These were the Jews who were scattered during the Assyrian and Babylonian captivities. And they had lived in these provinces outside of Jerusalem, and they were not part of the group that resettled in Jerusalem when Cyrus released uh, many of the prisoners to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the wall. And so if you read about the pilgrimages, and there are actually Psalms of pilgrimage, it was for these Jews who would travel from their area that was called the Diaspora, from there to Jerusalem for the three main festivals every year. And so many of those, if you read in the book of Acts, you remember that when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, they began to speak in other tongues. And it was Jews that were gathered around that began to hear them speak in these other tongues, and they heard them speak in their own languages. It was the language of their dispersion, not the Hebrew tongue. They were speaking the native language of where they were dispersed. And so all of these Jews that had come for the festival of Pentecost, they knew two languages, they knew the language of their region, and they knew the language of the Hebrews, the Hebrew language. Now, I was thinking about that and, and, and I thought, you know, I, I went over some of the overpasses. How many of you go to the area, go to the Hewland Mall and all that? right? And, and since they built all those overpasses, isn't that area totally different than it was when I moved here 15 years ago? Even, even Weatherford, for goodness sakes, uh, none of that across the street existed or up the street existed. And now you see that whole area by Hewlin Street and by, uh, by um, Brian Irvin, it's just a myriad of twists and turns. And I've actually taken the wrong twist and turn before, maybe some of you have too, and ended up getting the the fee for being on the toll road, you know, and uh, life can be confusing. And when you have that many twists and turns, you don't know where you're going sometimes. And I thought thought about this, that we are here this morning and we have one thing in common, that we know Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord, and we've come here to worship Him. We've come here to share in the fellowship that we have in Him. But then we're all so very different. We're all on different avenues or different roadways, so to speak, because all of our lives are so much different. We're facing different things in our life. We do different things for our careers. Uh, We have uh, different backgrounds. We are pursuing different uh, avenues or pathways of ministry. I mean, there are so many things that are different about us. So when we come together, we are like the diaspora. We are like the dispersed Jews. We're coming together to worship the Lord, and yet we all have things that are so different from each other. And thank the Lord that the commonality we have in Christ overcomes all those differences. But it doesn't remove all those differences or all the concerns that they bring in our lives. So I started to think about this, and I asked myself a few opening questions. And, and, and the question is this, that we have to re-ask and and ask again and again is, where am I going in this life? Sometimes we have to ask that question when we are driving and we get lost. You know that GPS is not foolproof. <laughs> I was in Atlanta, Georgia one time, and I started driving with my GPS, and all of a sudden my GPS stopped working because I, I got out of the cell reach. Uh, Sprint wasn't very good in that pocket and I was driving now without navigation and I realized that I was going into a very bad neighborhood. A neighborhood that I didn't look like I belonged in and that if my car broke down, I would be a little bit concerned. Have anybody ever gone through a neighborhood like that? And nothing to say disparaging about the people in that neighborhood. I'm just saying, you know, there there are neighborhoods that have a lot of crime and it's dangerous for anybody to be out at night. In fact, I... I I was in California this week on business and I went down a street called Valley Boulevard in and it turns into Holt Boulevard in Pomona, if any of you know that area. And when I grew up, I I saw Old Mel's Diner, it's not Mel's Diner anymore, but when I drove from uh, the area of Diamond Bar all the way into Pomona on this street called Valley Boulevard, which turns into Holt. It was a street my mom and dad used to let me ride my bike on from Diamond Bar, another community, all by myself when I was little, when I was like 12 years old. I would go for these long 30 to 40 mile bike rides the whole day and go into Pomona. You would not let your child do that in that area of Pomona anymore. Uh, a lot of crime and, and violence. So I had to ask myself when I was in Atlanta, all of a sudden I realized that I was lost. I was in a bad neighborhood. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want my car to break down. So what did I have to do? I had to stop the car and say, where am I going? I had to re-evaluate what I was doing. And I just turned around. All I could do was go back the way I came until my phone started working again. So in life, we're constantly getting redirection. We're constantly seeking God for where he's leading us. And then I have to ask myself, what is my real destiny in life? what am I really doing in life? What, am, what is my real calling and destiny? And when I was a father, it was a, being a father. And I, I'll always be a father, but I'm not a father anymore of a child living at home. I'm a father of an adult. And that's kind of weird, you know, when you, when you get into that role. Most of you, a lot of you are in that role already. But i'm new to that role and not doing so good at it (laughs) i need your prayers and when you're now a father of an adult it's a whole different thing and so i realized that my fathering days in that respect are over so my my destiny in life is not to be a father and and my destiny in life is not really to be a husband although i want to be the best one i can be and my destiny in life is not to work at my job both pastor or Carlo latino because eventually one day those will be gone. And I drove by a place where my dad used to work and it, 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 wasn't, it didn't exist anymore. There was a place where my dad used to work in California and there was nothing there. And so nothing is permanent. So my destiny has to be tied to something other than what I do, my role as a father or mother, how, where I work, what education I get, what my career is. So if we don't understand our destiny... I realized that we won't appreciate the journey. Now, I have more to say about that next week, but just a little teaser is that every year the Zender family would go to Michigan and and I'll tell you about that trip next week. And but the trip to Michigan from California was boring. If you're a kid, it was boring. And we didn't have iPads and we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any electronics. All we had was little quiz books or stupid games like, you know, I see with my little eye, I spy with my little eye, and oh, I don't want to play that game. I don't even know if we played that game, but, you know, I, it was my sister and me most of the time in the backseat fighting and my mom trying to referee between us because we just wanted to get to the destination and we really didn't enjoy the trip. Anybody can identify with that? And and if you don't know where you're going, the only thing that made me endure that trip was knowing I was going to my grandma's, and we were stopping for firecrackers along the way. And when you got to Michigan, they weren't illegal, and and we could blow up M80s firecrackers and little poppers. And so, uh, the destination was what made me uh, appreciate the journey. Okay, you with me so far? So I'm going to give you just four simple points this morning, and this is a two-part message. And I want to I want to entitle it Under the Banner of Navigating Life's Highway. That's the theme of the series. I want to talk about discovering my destiny in Christ. And I want to look at the first 12 verses of First Peter. So we already covered uh, verse 1. For the first point that I want to make is this. Let me read verses 1 and 2. It says, Peter, again, an emissary of Yeshua, to the sojourners of the diaspora in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father set apart by the Ruach, or the Spirit, for obedience and for sprinkling with the blood of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, may grace and shalom, peace, be multiplied to you. first point I want to make is this, is that life only begins in Jesus Christ. Now, there are many people who are alive, but they're not living life. You can be alive and not have ever entered into living life. Because life begins not when you're born. Life begins when you're reborn. Now, you have a human life, a human existence, apart from Christ. But everything is just that. Everything is an existence apart from Jesus Christ. Life only begins when you embrace Christ as your Savior and Lord. And that's when it starts. That's when it starts. So there's four things in these first two verses that we want to grab. Verse 1, that we are chosen, we are chosen by the foreknowledge of God. And I, I find that such a powerful, powerful uh, thing to grasp that the Bible tells us that before the foundations of the world, God chose you. That means that before he said in the beginning, before he said, let there be light, before he separated the firmament from the waters and the heavens, before he created the dry ground and before he created the, the, the animals and the fish and the birds, before he created man, he chose you. Now that blows my mind. I I can't even grasp that, but Talison, he knew that he was going to choose you. He chose you before he even said, let there be. And he called you to the ministry and the calling you have for your life before the foundations of the world. That is so, so, so heavy and so awesome and so profound. Verse 2, we are cleansed by the blood of Christ, so we're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God and we're cleansed by the blood of Christ. We're cleansed by the blood of Christ for a purpose, for obedience. Jesus didn't just save us so we could go to heaven. I'm glad. How many of you are glad you're going to heaven? I am. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. But he didn't just save you to go to heaven. He saved you so he could use you and you could find fulfillment in life by being used of the Father. Now, you were created for a purpose, to glorify Him. And when you start glorifying Him in what you do in life, all of a sudden, guess what? You find joy. Not just existence. That means the job you hate You can wake up on Monday morning with joy because you're living out the purposes of God for your life. You were cleansed by the blood of Christ for a purpose. And that purpose is to follow him in obedience. Ephesians 2:8 and 9 says, By grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And those who he saved were created in him for in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we have been cleansed for a purpose. The second part of that verse is that we have been set apart by the Ruach, the Holy Spirit of God. I like that in the Hebrew. I like to say it, Ruach. I like to, it can roll your German R and you can be Hebrew at the same time. (laughs) We've been set apart by the Ruach of God, the Spirit of God. That he set us apart and empowered us by the Holy Spirit. That he it's, it's like you have become his fine china. Ladies, do you have fine china at home? I know when you, when you get married, you put together that list and you, you ask for it, right? And many of you have that. I know we have a couple sets. There's a set we'll never use and there's a set we sometimes use. The set we never use is because it's antique. It's just a collectible. But the set we sometimes use are so important that I am not allowed really to touch them. Or if I do touch them, I'm given specific instructions because they got this stuff on it and they could get broken and I'm not the most graceful guy in the house and and I... It, You are God's fine china. You've been set apart because you are so precious. Because you're so you're so dear to his heart. He loves you so much. I find that just awesome. And then finally, the last part is that you are being comforted by the grace of God, by his grace and his shalom, his peace, that he comes so that you could have grace and peace. I don't know, but there's nothing better in life than peace. When you have peace, you can be in the midst of the storm. You're sitting there, you're just hanging with Jesus and he's looking at the storm and he's saying, peace, be still. And you're going, yeah. Isn't that a good feeling? When the winds hitting and the waves are hitting, I want to tell you, when you have peace in the midst of the storm, because you're in Christ, Nothing, nothing, nothing can sink you. Nothing can sink you. And so that's a wonderful thing. That's a powerful thing. That's an awesome thing. Life begins in Jesus Christ. That's why if you you want to do a little exercise that's kind of fun, take the book of Ephesians. Take a Bible you don't mind marking up. And begin to read in the book of Ephesians and take a yellow highlighter. And every time it says in Christ, highlight it over and over again. And you're going to see that book just has a myriad of ways to tell you how you are in him. How now your life is in him. Your life is not your own. You are now bound with him and everything that he has is now yours. In Christ, life begins in Jesus Christ. Number two, life only has meaning when we understand that life is eternal. Now, I've talked about this when we went through our study in 1 Corinthians 15 at some length. We talked about the resurrection. I talked about how the validity and the truth, the power of the resurrection, should impact our our everyday life, that it lets us know that we are eternal. But we have to keep reminding ourselves of that fact because we live in a temporal world. We live in a world that's just weighted down with cares and worries and troubles and frustrations. Bills. I was talking to our treasurer at the church, Bonnie Williams, and as she was having me sign some checks, I said to her, I said, you know, I just wish we didn't have to do this. You know sometimes the bills sometimes all that kind of stuff in the church you just you just wish you didn't have to do. You just wish it was all just about Jesus and you didn't have to pay any bills and and you didn't have to pay the TCU TXU TCU TXU we're not paying TCU TXU and you didn't you, you didn't have to pay the the propane company and you didn't have to pay all these you know you didn't have to do that and and that the air conditioning always worked and in that, the, you know, there wouldn't be water coming up through the middle of the Family Life Center. And you just wish that never happened because it would be just great, wouldn't it? It'd be great if the city of Weatherford didn't send me an electric bill last month. Because August and September, those are the biggies. Those are the ones I don't want to open. I open them up like this. Eek, 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 eek. Ah! <laughs> It'd be great, but that isn't life. You see, we need to understand that life's eternal or else we'll get caught up in the temporal and it will weigh us down and it will influence everything we do and our joy will just evaporate. But listen, listen to verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. In His great mercy, He causes to be born again to what? To a living hope through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, from the dead. An incorruptible, undefiled, unfading inheritance has been reserved in heaven for you. Now, most companies today don't have the old type of pension plans that they do. We have an opportunity to do business with my company with Kmart. And you know, Sears and Kmart have been in bankruptcy and actually one time years ago we lost tons of money with them and then we were back selling them and now they want us to do all their stores in california so my uh one of the owners and i went to a kmart store in california and we wanted to see if it if it smelled like death or if there was a sign of new life <laughs> you can smell death in a retail store and let me tell you you can smell it when when a retail store is about ready to die And um, actually, I was surprised. It seemed like there was a little bit of life, but we're, we're, we're still kind of uncertain. So we were checking the internet, looking for the third quarter returns. Third quarter returns came out lousy because they are burdened down with pensions the old style pensions that are sucking any profit they have out of the company and they're not seeming to be able to recover most people have a 401k now they don't have an old retirement pension and that 401k you take with you it's not tied to the company well your 401k is really your retirement if you're in a in a company or business because you're you're not going to retire just solely on social security that's really tough to do my parents, at the end of their life, that's all they had, and and uh, it was really tough. Uh, my dad didn't save wisely, even though he was a, a cost analyst and an accountant. Um, he didn't save wisely, and he didn't have anything left. And, and so what he did have left was uh, uh, soon spent on expenses, and he was left just with Social Security. So your 401k is that nest egg that's laid aside, and, and that's what you're hoping for in retirement is that When you retire, you'll have your Social Security plus your 401K, and that's going to be enough to carry you through the remainder of your life. Now, that doesn't always work. It doesn't always last. But I want to tell you, you have an inheritance that God is giving you in the heavenlies that is eternal, and that will never run dry. And I want to tell you what it is. First of all, in that inheritance, you have a guarantee And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee of our eternal hope. It's not dependent upon like Kmart's. I mean, if Kmart goes under all those poor people with the old-fashioned pension, they're going to be without any money because they'll get a couple nickels on the dollar of what was saved all of their lives. But your inheritance is secure, and it's guaranteed by not... $33 billion in assets or by Prudential, the rock, it's guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The empty tomb says to you that what God has started in your life, He's going to complete and everything He's promised is going to come true for you in Christ Jesus. Number 4a, verse 4a. This hope is not subject to the ravage of time, the defilement of sin, or the diminishing glory of everything we hold and see. I stopped at Carl's Donuts, uh, Al, and on, on Hope Boulevard, because I just had to. It was still there. And I got a donut, and it didn't, you know, it just tasted like any old donut. It didn't, didn't taste like what I remembered. And most of the businesses I remembered, except for Pep Boys on Hope Boulevard when I grew up, that was where I went. That's where all the car places were. Earl Shives was there. It was shuttered. It was closed down. The places where I'd buy all my parts, uh, my performance parts for my Pinto, it was closed down. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the the McDonald's was even closed down, and the Bob's big boy, where we went after every high school event, was closed down. I mean, everything was just shuttered. And you see, the ravages of time affects everything, but the ravages of time, the defilement of sin and the diminishing glory of this life will never touch your eternal reward in heaven. It's secured for you. Now, I don't know about you. Jesus said he's, he's making a mansion for you and I. I've already got my request in. I can't afford oceanfront property in this life. But God knows I want a 46 foot sailboat in oceanfront view in eternity. If there's going to be the sea of glass, I'm sailing on it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the last part of verse 4 the inheritance is is our real life. That's what we're going for. It's reserved in heaven. It's, it's, it's had a, the down payment has been made. It's been fully paid as far as our redemption, but the down payment in us has been made. He's put His Spirit in our hearts, our cleansed hearts. We've been given the initial inheritance of the presence of God living in our life through the Holy Spirit, and we have this true, 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 true destiny that's wrapped up into eternity. I'm so thankful for that because in my garage on two shelves, I've shared this with you before, is my parents' complete life. That's really hard to imagine when you've grown up, you've helped your parents move. When my parents moved first, it was a United moving van, and then it was a, uh, a 40 or 30-some foot U-Haul, and then it was a... A smaller U-Haul, and then it was just the back of a truck, and now it's two shelves. But I want to tell you: even though they only had some security in this life, my mom and dad loved the Lord throughout their lives, and my dad kept singing for Him and for His glory through His life. And I don't know what their mansion looks like, but I know that they've entered into their eternal reward that is secure and will never fade away. Number three: two more points. Number three, life is filled with difficulty and trials that are allowed for a purpose. I know that's the point we don't want to hear, but it's true. Look at verses five to seven. By trusting, you are being protected by God's power for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this greatly, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. These trials are so that the true metal of your faith, far more valuable than gold, which perishes through refined, though refined by fire, may come to light in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Messiah Yeshua, of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you three simple things in this, and I want to tell you about a couple words in here that are interesting. But the first thing is that in the midst of our rejoicing, we are also distressed by the trials of life. That's the irony of the Christian life. It really is because you'll, you can turn on any Christian television station and you can hear people tell you that if you're walking in faith, you'll never be distressed. And that if you're being distressed, it's because you don't have enough faith. I want to tell you that distress is part of life. I'm going to give you the definition of it in the, in the Greek. It's, it's the, the word lupé in... And not the name Loopy, but Lupe, it means sadness, grief, or heaviness. How many of you in the past year have faced any sadness, any grief, or any heaviness? That doesn't mean that you're always going from one attack to the next attack, from another attack to another attack. And it doesn't even mean that the enemy's involved. It just means that life hits. You lose a loved one. You get a disappointment. Somebody loses their job. It doesn't matter what it is. There's there's distress in life. And distress goes hand in hand with joy. We can't walk in joy continually. And we can't avoid the, the stresses and the trials of life. In fact, God allows them so that it can test us and refine us. Because I'm stubborn. I know, Isaac, you're not stubborn at all. Not at all. I mean, your parents would tell me, this man always yes yes ma'am yes sir. Never stubborn. I bet you I bet you always cleaned your room when you were a little kid. You always put your toys away. You got straight A's and you never did anything wrong in class. I just know it. I just know it. <laughs> no no no. I think yeah. I don't I I know that's not true. You see trials are allowed in our life and that's the second point that trials are allowed in our life to perfect our faith. If we didn't have difficulties, if we were like Isaac, then we'd never need to grow in faith. But Isaac's like us. And you and I need to grow in faith. And we don't grow in faith until our faith is tested. And our faith isn't tested until we face something that's bigger than us. Isn't that right? You got $10 in your pocket. A bill comes for two bucks, your faith's not tested. I got 10 bucks, and I still got eight. I can do three more of those bills, four more of those bills. Another bill comes for two bucks, I'm not tested. You pay the other two bucks. A bill comes for 120 bucks, I got six bucks left in my pocket. All of a sudden, my faith is tested. Do you see what I'm saying? Your faith is tested, when we reach something that's bigger than us. And God allows that because He doesn't want our faith to be in our faith. He doesn't want our faith to be in our accomplishments. He doesn't want our faith to be in our knowledge of the Word. He doesn't want our faith to be in our church attendance. He doesn't want our faith to be in everything but in Him. Amen. Good. He wants our faith to be in Him, in Christ. And here's the wonderful thing that throughout all the trials and difficulties of life we're protected by God's power and God's power is the presence and indwelling dynamic of the Holy Spirit in our lives the word protected listen to this in the Greek it means this in verse 5 it's to be a watcher in advance that is to mount a guard as a sentinel that means that the Holy Spirit in you and I is a watcher in advance that He's going before us. Didn't the Lord promise that He would be our forward guard and our rear guard? That He would go before us and He would come behind us? That He would watch every step? He would not let us stumble or fall if we followed Him? That He got us along every step of the way? And that's the Holy Spirit in our lives. In your notes, the very last scripture on the bottom is John 14, 25 to 27. John writes, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you. Jesus is saying that to his disciples. He says, the helper, or translated, the comforter, the one called alongside of you, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And then he says this, peace I leave with you. Now, is that peace... Oh, I need some peace, Lord, so I'm going to go to the peace store over here, and I'm going to hear, okay, good. Oh, I got another bucket of peace, you know, and, and, and I'll just walk in that peace until it runs out. Peace is not something that you purchase or something that you acquire by grabbing it off the shelf. Peace is the very presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. He said, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send someone to protect you. I'm going to send someone to be your sentinel. I'm going to send someone to look in advance for you. And he's going to not only be with you, he's going to be in you. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. The peace I give to you is not as the world gives. It's my peace, it's my presence, it's my spirit. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If we understood that, as we go through all the turns and changes and twists of life, we, rather than saying, oh, not another trial, not another struggle, not another uphill climb, we would say, bring it on. Because the greater the struggle, the greater his power, and the greater I will see him working out his work of faith in my life. We sing that song. So bring on the wind and bring on the waves. My God is stronger. Are those just words we sing? Or do we really believe it? Wow. Last point. Life is filled with joy as we learn to discern the presence of Jesus along every turn. Now, that sounds a little weird in a way because you say, well, how can we learn the presence of Jesus? And I've been in some weird situations where people were trying to do weird stuff. I'm not talking about anything weird, but if we need to learn about faith and we need to learn about love and we need to learn about obedience, we also need to learn about his presence and how to practice and abide in that presence. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, so it's something we can learn to do. Does that make sense? Is something we can learn to do. Verses 8, 10, and 11. I'm jumping around. I'm rearranging the verses a little bit here, but look at these verses. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you don't see Him now, you trust Him and are filled with a joy that is glorious beyond words, receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The prophets, verse 10 who spoke about this grace that was to be yours, searched for the salvation and investigated it carefully. They were trying to find out the time and circumstances that the Ruach of Messiah, the Spirit of Jesus, within them was indicating when predicting the sufferings in store for Messiah and the glories to follow. Just two simple last points. And you know this, but joy is not determined by our circumstances, but it's determined by living and abiding in the Word of God that is then planted in our hearts. And I I chose that word very carefully. It's not just talking about the Word. It's not just coming to Sunday and hearing a message preached. But it's learning to feed upon this book. It's learning to take the very words of God, This is the Ruach of God. This is the breath of God. This is the Spirit of God speaking to us. It's learning to take these words every day and place them here in our hearts. It's when we do that that we learn to discern the presence of God. Because the presence of God is all around us, but we don't see it. We don't discern it. But this helps us discern it. And when we get this in here, we begin to see Jesus around every corner. We see Jesus walking with us. We see Jesus at every turn. We see Jesus at every intersection. And I want to tell you this morning, I was having a battle. I was just all of a sudden, I began to worry. And, I, and, and, and whenever you start to worry, and, and all of you have worried... The enemy comes in and he just will help you out and he'll say, hey, Mitch, you know, you know, like what if and then he'll fill in the blank and that and that'll be a a building block on that worry and the worry. And and then if we if we start playing that record in our head over and over again, it it all of a sudden starts to shake us. But I was in the word of God and I was in in first Peter still the fifth chapter. And I and I read this verse. And, and, and all of a sudden, it just set me free when it says, cast your worries, this is from the, the Tree of Life Bible, cast your worries upon Him, for He cares for you. And I realized, I don't have to feel guilty about worrying, I just got to get rid of them. If the Lord knew I was never going to have to deal with worrying, He never would have given me that promise. He would have just said, well, the weak people who don't have faith, they worry. But you, you never worry. No, it says everyone in the Bible, it talks about people of faith. And it says when you do worry, get rid of it. Because he's right beside you. Do you see that? He's there protecting you. He's right beside you. The presence of Jesus is there in your life. Jesus said this, These things, worship him, come back up. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. You know why I believe so many Christians are not walking in the joy of the Lord, which is their strength, is because the word of God is not being planted in their hearts. They're not seeing the presence and the power of God around every turn in their life because they're not seeing the word of God in their life. I cannot know Jesus apart from this book i can know about him i can hear about him i can sing about him but i will not have revelation about him until i open this book and the living word becomes the rhema word in my heart there is the logos of god the written word and there is the rhema of god the living word the rhema of god is when the ruach of god breathes upon the logos of god and all of a sudden, something that was just on the paper becomes something that becomes explosively alive in your heart. Last point. One more scripture, John 17, 13 to 14. He says, I've I've I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world that these my disciples may have joy fulfilled in themselves. Do you see how everything about joy, how everything about enjoying the journey is tied to being in Christ and hearing His voice? I stopped listening to a lot of the news. I just can't take it anymore. It's a rehash upon a rehash. It doesn't matter what channel you watch. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, Channel 4, Channel you know, what? even Newsmax, it doesn't matter what you watch. It's just a rehash, a rehash of 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 negativity. I need to hear more from Jesus. Last point, verses 9 to 12. We are recipients of the unveiled revelations and purposes of God in Christ Jesus, the salvation of our souls. God wants to unveil himself in you. That is an awesome thing. So there's four simple questions. I'm going to just pop them all on the screen as we close. First one Am I living in Christ? This morning I asked you to ask yourself that question. Am I really living in Christ? I, I'm not asking you if you're a Christian. I'm not asking you if you believe in Jesus. I'm asking you, are you living in Him? There's a big difference. Living in Him is different than believing in Him. Living in Him makes Him the center of everything and everything in your life. Anything and everything. Number two, am I living with an eternal focus? How many moments of this week were you spending meditating upon the eternal things of God versus dealing with the temporal things of this life? Think about that. What's consuming your time, your thoughts, your energy? What's, who gets your energy? Does God get the best of your energy, or does everything else? Number three, am I living with the realization that I'm protected by the power of God? You know the wonderful thing that I never fear? I never fear falling out of the will of God. You know why? Why? Because I know my heart. My heart is, I want to do the will of God. And I've surrendered to the will of God in my life. So I know that God is going to keep me from straying away. He will do it, and He'll work hard at it. Because He knows that's my desire. And He'll be faithful to that desire. I know I'm protected by the power of God. That He's going before me, and He's also coming behind me. And number four, am I discerning the presence of Jesus around every corner, as I face the 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 interchanges of life and the in all the different turnstiles and in different directions. Do I see Jesus in everything, even in the midst of the worst trial or sorrow or loss I'm facing, do I see Jesus? When Jesus came to Lazarus home, Mary came out weeping to him, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would have been alive. She didn't at that moment see Jesus in the midst of that situation. And yet, when he came, he wept and he was in the midst of that situation. And he cared so deeply for her and he healed Lazarus and raised him up. Let's stand. Am I in Christ? Am I living within eternal focus? Am I walking under the protection and power of God? And am I seeing Jesus around every corner? Lord, speak to us, we pray. The head that once was crowned on that song I just want to say this that the resurrected king is rising up in you and wants to restore just a sense of joy and passion in him our lives should be so filled with expectations as believers really if they're not ask yourself is this logos word becoming your rhema word. Because I want to tell you, if it is, each day, even a little spark of rhema from the Lord, from the throne of grace, will ignite your life with hope and peace and joy. There's no reason to live outside of the fountain of grace. There's no reason to live in the desert without a cup underneath His outpouring of life. There's no reason to not see His presence around every corner. Lord, deliver us from anything that's keeping us from running to You, from living in You, from crying out to You, from hiding Your Word in our hearts, from receiving the joy that comes from what you speak and the joy that overflows. Lord, bless your people this week as they go from this place. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up His peace and countenance upon you and grant you His shalom, His peace. Go in the love of the Lord. You're dismissed. We found hope on our